Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Are you guys ready to party? Because they gave me access to the show rock again, and that means it's time for a history episode for you. It's about the Boston Tea Party. So instead of a traditional party with snacks and alcohol and such, we're going to have a talk about tea and 18th century taxation. All right, so get ready for a wild time. Uh, you can throw your tea into the ocean, grab a beer, and, or get some coffee, and uh, have a drink. <laughs> to have a drink the show where you learn along with us about what you drink i'm Brittany lee walker i'm justin frazier i'm christopher walker and i'm casey price hello hey, hey guys. guys uh well i think for all but one of you it's been a mere few hours <laughs> yeah indeed yeah no it's been a while since i've seen casey <laughs> same here oh, yes yes indeed uh yeah we had a fun day today um bob and, and chris and myself uh, I didn't get to drink, of course, so that's, that's beside the point. But I had a lot of good food. Um, I am yeah. still full from that, actually. <laughs> uh, we went down to Lexington, uh, Kentucky, for a the first can release ever of uh, a brewery we all ha- we all happen to like called Ethereal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's not that just that we like them. It is they are one of the standouts in Lexington. They have a lot of good beer, and they have a really good atmosphere. They're in a good spot, um, location wise. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Lexington, Lexington, you really let me down. Uh, I came I came ready to party for a line share. Oh yeah, I was the only one. <laughs> it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. He, he texted me he's like, "I'm going to be down there at eight o'clock," and I went, "No one's going to be there. There's not going to be a line until like an hour before." And it wasn't <laughs> even an hour before. It was like yeah. thirty minutes before, and two people showed up. Yeah, yeah, Lexington is not the same as Cincinnati line shares and all that. So yeah, so uh, Lexington not really not really the party city. So uh, I, I, yeah. I think they're more balanced in their approach to beer. <laughs> Probably um, they're more but, they're they're more concerned about sleeping. Fair. Well, and, it <laughs> and all, the place doesn't open until noon. They're like, no, we're just. <laughs> it all worked out because uh, a friend a friend of ours brought over um, famous donuts from Lexington at. From Spaldings, mm. they are twice oh, fried. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you say the name from anybody local, and they're like, "Oh," uh, but it, it's the twice fried glazed donut, and they're amazing. They're, they're, there's nothing like crazy special on their toppings. It's not like we're putting, you know, maple and bacon on there. They're just glazed donuts. It's about the texture. They it, fry them twice. They basically have the texture of um, a cronut. W- if you've ever had one of those, yeah. People, I, I will take Spaldings over uh, anybody. Over anybody. Yeah. Like, and don't get me wrong, I like a lot of donuts, but 
Yeah. People stand in line 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, that's every every day. day. It's yeah. what it takes to get those donuts is you have to wait because the it's a tiny building and there's nothing else around. It's like out in the middle of an industrial park and there's this old building there where they're frying the pro- these donuts. If you're in if you're in Lexington, it's across the street from the Jif factory. I was going to say it's near the Jif peanut butter factory, so which <laughs> follow, follow to the roasted peanuts. Yeah, it, admittedly though, if I was like, "Oh yeah, and here's some peanut butter." <laughs> yeah, all right. I make this work. Mm. But, but yeah, yeah. I eat the milk. So we had amazing donuts, and we also our friend brought uh, friend Laura, who brought the donuts, brought her dog as well. So we had that fun to play with. Play with the dog, even though the dog was terrified of everything. So um, <laughs> even after we were we were cool and we were friends, <laughs> and then I would come walking up, and she lost her effing mind. <laughs> all I'm saying is, who isn't afraid of everything? I mean, but yeah, we had, uh, and then we had awesome food once the actual release happened, and because uh, the, the empanadas guy was there, and the place is literally right next to Goodfellas Pizza. Mm. They just, built it right next to them. Yeah, like it, there's no, it's it's an all win, and then the fact that it wasn't, you know, ninety eight percent humidity or whatever it is, like. Freaking. I liked it more at eight o'clock in the morning, though, when it Yo. was like seventy oh, was, degrees. We got it was there like and it super was chilly. It was like sixty-five when we got there, so there was this cold breeze and it no was no like, humidity whatsoever. No humidity, and it's right down next to a creek, and you're like, it is actually kind of chilly. I was, was like, cold compared to the hundred and four it was uh, on on Thursday. I was like, yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take this chilly. Oh, I'll take this any day. Of the and week. that whole area over there is so awesome and still developing. Because mm-hmm. what? Okay, there is a big. Uh, if you wanted to hear more about uh, the Barton news, uh, you can go listen to the news show. But uh, there is a giant Barton water tower on the top of the whole complex over there. And that was an old distillery. Is it an old Barton distillery? I'm not Or is Barton sure, running? Are they the ones that are going to be in charge? Because Goodfellas is going to start distilling out of there. Is Barton going to be the one actually doing the distilling out of there? Hmm. Hmm. Don't know. I don't know. Because if they, you look, these are at, answers. These are questions I don't have the answer to. Okay, because it's a fresh paint job on the uh, the water tower on top of the whole complex, and it says it has the big seventeen ninety two logo on it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Um, not too long ago, I guess back when they were having the craft beer week in Lexington, uh, me and Casey ran down there uh, in a very circuitous way. But there's a lot of like brewing and distilling equipment that are in some of those buildings. Just mm waiting to get used so well and that one distillery is opening soon they they had they look like they're just still working on getting everything ready to go i don't i didn't see that if it had a date coming it was the uh pepper distillery oh yeah oh right yeah. between Old goodfellas pepper. and and um uh yeah ethereal so that whole area over there they're getting ready to have they have a brewery already in operation you have the pepper distillery it's going to be opening you have a distillery it's going to be opening inside the goodfellas you got so, an ice cream store. Yeah, you got amazing. Crank and Boom over there. Plus the restaurant right next to the brewery. You got two restaurants over there. There's oh, the one true. with the yeah. brewery, and then there's the other little tavern place. And then there's the bar. There's just like a little, it looks the like little, a biker bar. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little hut outside. So, so looks like they're open for tours right now. The distillery, James E. Pepper Distillery. Oh, oh. okay. Mm. Although outrageous at 20 bucks a person. Uh, never mind. I mean, even with tastings, that's still crazy. Yep. We, uh, they wouldn't have product to taste yet. Well, they've got they do. It's probably sourced, but they've got the seventeen seventy six GDP. Yeah, yeah, seventeen seventy six is what uh, what they've got okay. out right now. Which, I mean, they've got 
let's see here. They've got three, two golds and a double gold on some of their stuff. Hmm. It. I will say this uh, when we mentioned we were talking about Ethereal. I've found myself there a lot lately. I mean, like the bartenders are starting to recognize me when I come in. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's a nice I can't spot. come back here. I miss <laughs> I miss that status of uh, when the, mm. you're greeted by name and they start giving you free drinks and they're, yeah. no they're not giving me free drinks. That said, I do have a friend uh, that that works there, uh, not not uh, as a as an assistant brewer, and he does give me like some some heads up. He's like, dude, he he sent us a he. I was given warning by someone. Maybe, may or may not have been him saying, "There's a certain Russian hag that's going to be coming out along with this, uh, along with this special uh, can release day." And I went, oh. "So they had Baba Yaga on draft, hmm. which is a really good Imperial Stout they have." Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was a nice day. We actually, I don't often sit outside when I'm up there, uh, but or at all. Your, uh, your face and Brittany's shoulders. Uh... Mm-hmm. Bear yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm the evidence. For, I'm waiting for us to get done. I'm just going to get into a all the aloe back to tank filled with aloe instead. <laughs> yep, that's what I'm going to do tonight. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I mean, we did get it. We did manage to get a table that was like perfectly in the shape. Otherwise, so that did yeah. work out still. But yeah, we had a, we had a good afternoon. And um, if, if you come to yeah. Lexington, come go to Ethereal. Oh yeah, it, you hands down, you have to. Uh, it just and, and if nothing else, just to be in that little area because Goodfellas has good beer too, like um, a, mm-hmm. you know, variety of things and uh, like uh, there's just options over there. That it's whole nice. area again, yeah, it's an amazing spot because it's literally an old distillery campus that has been revamped into mm-hmm. a little it's all industrial and into yeah. a, a I don't know what to call, just a nightlife spot. Mm. Supposedly, there's a um, axe throwing bar going in over there. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's going in. I can the, see it's that going in. Over at the, um, as you enter into that section, yeah. you t- pull in and all the distilleries and bars and everything are on the right. That building on the left mm-hmm. is going to be the axillary bar. So that's uh, okay. the old barrel warehouse that they've got there. Mm-hmm. It's still up. So I guess uh, there were all kinds of rumors about what's going in there. But yeah, axe throwing, that'd be awesome. That's like a hot thing now. It's so weird. Let's do it. I mean, I'm down. All right, well, um, Casey. Yeah, Casey, what have you yes. been up to? Um, not much. Yeah. Uh, it's been a weird week at work. So our offices, I'm the only person in my office location that did not move offices. <laughs> so it's been kind of odd making sure everything that I needed is, is set in place so that we don't necessarily, uh, I just wanted to kind of pee on everything. Make sure they know. Mine, this mine, is, mine. I'm mine. not moving. This is mine. <laughs> Everybody's kind of been really nice about coming in and everything. And, um, you know, I've been trying to be welcoming while they've been there, so um, it's just been... I, I wouldn't have been. They walk in like, oh, hey, how you doing? Look, this is my town. I run Barter Town. <laughs> I tried to move everything that I had out of all the various scattered closets and, and cabinets and into one single closet. It's the best closet in the whole area, so, I mean, I'm happy with that. It actually locks, but... Um, I, I made it seem like, oh yeah, you know, I've got, I've got all this other space freed up for you. Here you go. <laughs> I just so. imagine it. Uh, they're they're going around packing their stuff up to leave, and they're coming by seeing what of Casey's they can grab. 
in case he's in there wearing leather chaps and like he has garbage <laughs> piled on his head and some weird staff and he's just like who runs barter town <laughs> master blaster <laughs> yes indeed but that's uh, been the that's been sort of the week um was that on i was on last week right yes Okay, yeah, so we caught up on the travels. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 because last week was the science episode. Time cool. has no meaning after a while. And <laughs> <Does it? laughs> yeah. I have started to take up some uh, mindfulness practices. I've been reading a good book called um, 10% Happier. <clears throat> and so some of the practices of, of controlled uh, breathing and, and just taking things in and observing unjudgmentally, you know, that, that has sort of made time just a little bit less... I don't know, not to get like metaphysical and crazy, but it's just like you kind of wonder what's going on at those times. You you observe it, but then you're not there. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I need to do that. I suggest the book. It's a good book. <laughs> I I drink. That's how I get <laughs> that, That's actually a very good way to be mindful right there. Exactly. You're enjoying these sensations of, of the palate, of the taste. It's all, uh, yeah, it's all about being in the moment. I think that's what mindfulness and the mindfulness movement is, is just being in the moment and not worrying about the future or the past. It's just where you are. And, you know, you grab a beer with some friends and you're, as long as you're there, not just always looking into your cell phone or worrying about other things. That's kind of the, the, ideal of, uh, the idea of it. That's and funny because we've talked about this before. <laughs> what's that? We've talked about the mindfulness thing before. Just funny. On like, the show? Yeah, I was trying to defend it, and then everybody was oh. like, mm. <laughs> I still have no no knowledge about any of it, so. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember that. But uh, the um, research just came out this week showing um, a little bit on the mindfulness side, which I thought was pretty interesting. A little bit that it, it can actually influence your, your physical health, not only your mental well-being. Hmm. Cool. Oh, all right. Well, uh, so. we do have a f- couple announcements. Not a whole lot going on, but uh, our next live stream is going to be on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, July 14th, which is insane. Um, that's, just a, that's at a week away. Like, we're already halfway into the month in a week. I can't even um, Anyway, we're going to be talking about seltzer water. Uh, <laughs> pending. Pending. Oh. I'm... Just because you I'm, guys are butthurt. I'm skeptical of what's going to come of that. We've had a lot more other episodes if it's just like... How are we going to come up with this? But it, we managed it just fine. It'll be fine. I mean, seltzer. You could. We could get that. We could go back in and go look in at depth. the like early years where um, does, spring water came up and had some carbonation naturally to it, or something does like that. Tonic water count, and can I just drink gin? I mean, you could if you wanted to, I guess. But tonic is not the same as seltzer water, and that's something we can cover. Um, yes. So, uh, seventeen sixty-seven is uh, wow. when it goes back to oh, wow. created carbonated water. Huh. Okay, so. so there might be some meat on those bones. See? <laughs> I can tell you that the uh, the Wikipedia page for soda water is much larger than some of the other episodes we've done. <laughs> nice. That's good. Hey, we've turned some of those uh, short paragraphs and couple sentences that have been on there into like hour, discussions, to yeah. hour discussions. Got that right. Indeed. So uh, There's one thing we're good at. It's... it's- Stretching out, vamping, <laughs> vamping yeah. for time. Yes, uh, indeed. So um, the next announcement is actually an update we have for the movie draft. Vamping for money <laughs> on this one. 
Welcome to your BT Movie Draft Minute presented by DiamondClub.tv for the week of July 2nd, 2018. I'm your host, Big Voice Jay. You know, I had a joke about construction here, but I'm still working on it. Never mind, let's go to the scoreboard. Team Walking Drunk is in last place with a $9 million jump on the weekend from the first purge and a $21 million weekend from Uncle Drew, bringing their total to $81.3 million. Team Ritual Misery falls to fifth place with $378.9 million. Team The Bot Squad jumps to fourth place with $458.6 million. Team Game Nights in third place with $449.5 million. Team Have a Drink maintains second place with $753.1 million. And in first place for another week, it's Team Movie Party with $876.6 million. That's your Movie Draft Minute. All totals accurate as of July 5th, 2018. Alright, uh... He's saying that there's a more updated one, but basically... uh, the thing is, if I if, because it's in the email, if I try to play it, nobody like Casey and Bob can't hear it. So it's it's such a convoluted process we have right now, and I blame Skype, um, <laughs> <laughs> quite frankly. Uh, but either way, it sounds like we're we're hanging on in second. Place. Holding in second, and I'm <sighs> sorry, big voice Jay. We just suck because um, we start we start this stream. You're at amazing. Eight, you're amazing, till... and, and we're, yeah, know, we're we just behind. We we are. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not surprised by our standing. Like, look, we held for a good long while at first. Well, and, and it's just because like, I know that Incredibles 2 is just making stupid money. Like, and and it deserves to, you know. It was expected to perform well and it's doing beyond what they expected. So, yeah. So, I didn't see us winning necessarily, but if we can if we can maintain second place, I'm I'm good. I'm happy there. I shall not go quietly into the dark still night. <laughs> Casey, crazy rich Asians is gonna gonna make us all the money, right, Casey? <laughs> That's right. Casey's doubling down on those crazy rich Asians. They're gonna make a billion dollars. Maybe the crazy rich Asians that it could be about will come and buy out all the theaters in the United States. <laughs> there we go. Because they're crazy rich. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Right. I doubt that. We can hope, I guess. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, we do have a news story to cover. This just in. (laughs) Exactly. I always wanted to re-record that with me burping, but uh, it's never come around to it. All right, so a major study of drinking will be shut down, headline reads from the New York Times. Uh, Scientists too drunk. Yeah, yeah, scientists way too (laughs) drunk. Uh, Also, follow-up here. Yes, yes, uh, the scientists now have gone and made a podcast. Uh, An investigation (laughs) at the National Institute of Health concluded that the $100 million trial had been tainted by funding appeals to the alcohol industry. Yeah, tainted uh, trial. (laughs) The extensive government trial... (laughs) <laughs> the extensive government trial was intended to settle an age-old question about alcohol and diet. Does a daily cocktail or beer beer really protect against heart attacks and stroke? Uh, to find out, the National Institute of Health gave scientists $100 million to fund a global study comparing people who drink with those who don't. Its conclusions uh, could have enshrined alcohol as part of a healthy diet. 
As it turned out, much of the money from the study came from the alcohol industry. Uh, Earlier this year, the New York Times reported that officials at the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, part of the NIH, uh, had solicited that funding from alcohol manufacturers, a violation of federal policy. On Friday, an advisory panel to Dr. Francis Collins, director of the NIH, recommended that the trial be stopped altogether. Shortly afterward, Dr. Collins agreed. Uh, While the advisory group was not asked to determine whether NIH officials violated federal policy, investigators did find that there was, this is a quote, was frequent email correspondence among the staff of the Alcohol Institute outside scientists and alcohol industry representatives. So that kind of no bueno here. Alcohol industry officials offered input into the design of the trial the investigators found. Ooh. <laughs> the lead investigator, Dr. Kenneth J. Makumo, we're going with that, uh, an associate professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, discussed the methods with alcohol groups by email in August 2014, responding to questions raised by Diageo, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, and trade groups like the Distilled Spirits Council. In December 2014, he had participated in a conference call discussing the research with dozens of representatives of alcohol companies, the investigators said. The early and frequent engagement with industry representatives calls into question the impartiality of the process and thus cast doubt that the scientific knowledge gained from the study would be actionable or believable, said mm-hmm. the advisory committee's report. This mm-hmm. is... Yeah... <laughs> They yeah, just basically that's... have to. There's nothing redeemable here. The whole thing is just a big pile of garbage. Like it, well, it turns out it's like the uh, the Stanford uh, prison experiment, where in the end they were like, "No, there was all garbage information because everything was tainted at every step." Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it has to do a lot with what you can trust and can't trust. I think the article really made a point there. You don't know, is this real or is it not? Nothing in the entire study could have been tainted at all with the actual um, input of beer execs. But the fact that there was that partial bias that's listed there, that's the issue that you really kind of got to look at. Um, it, It could be something that, you just can't trust it. Yeah, this whole thing is... They go on down here. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev, one of the five industry sponsors, pulled its $15 million in funding from the study last week, saying the controversy had undermined the trial's credibility. So even the people at fault are coming like, well, this is no longer... No, the, the, we're taking our money out because you've tainted it. And it was like, your involvement is what did this. Hmm. The international study, a 10-year-long randomized clinical trial that aimed to to recruit 7,800 participants at 16 sites around the world. To be fair, it seemed to be they were, like, organizing it. I mean, that's a good base to start there. Uh, If you're getting getting a base group together, eh, 7,800 people, pretty, pretty good place to start. Uh, That was the kind of ambitious, broad-reaching scientific project that few agencies other than the NIH could attempt. It's just, you're never going to get that funding again. Yeah. And I wonder, at this point, do they have to pay that back? 
Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, sure a lot of it had already been, sp- or not a lot of it, but I mean, portions it's of spent. it were yes, spent. For sure. It's gone. Absolutely. Who are they going to go and sue the beer companies that influence these um, these folks? Or, I mean, what at what point? Because this is $100 million of taxpayer money. What What's the U.S. government going to do to say, hey, hmm. um, you were inappropriate in your actions um those those actions could be you know akin to like malfeasance or um it could be so grossly negligent that you have to pay back the money that you've spent well uh, so like ab InBev put 15 million into this into that 100 million pot 15 million of it was theirs uh-huh. i'm sure they're just writing that off uh-huh. <laughs> From the beginning, they were like they were putting money into this as part of you know whatever legal reasons that they have to do so much to promote anti-alcoholism or you know things of that nature, like uh, smoking. Like all the com- tobacco companies have to put so much into anti-smoking ads every year. Yeah, that's like the hilarity of it all. Those uh, truth campaigns are all funded by <laughs> the tobacco industries. <laughs> Like, Which, they are the ones paying for the ads against them? That's a double standard of sorts as well. But um, I'm wondering if that's something like ABM Bev, they were just doing this. They're like, uh, how much do we have to spend in, you know, kind of programs that don't promote alcohol but promote, you know, treatment for alcoholism and things like that? And someone comes like, oh, it's like $15 million. They're like, cool, we're going to put it all into the study. Done. We don't have to worry about that the rest of the year. Yeah. And the study could come around and, and support the company. Yeah. So the end of it. that's what I'm saying. They're probably just writing this off and it's nothing to them. They don't care. Well, they've already, yeah, they've already spent it. So that money is, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> but yeah, as to the, cause there was, fe- there were federal funds going into this, which is disconcerting, especially given like the country's economic standing at this point, like that vast sum of money is just that a vast sum of money that could go elsewhere. So I wonder yeah. what's will legal action come of it? Probably not. <laughs> like we would hope someone will try to recoup it, but I doubt that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Most likely not. Hmm. All right. Well, that's that's just bringing me down. So, uh if if you'd like some <laughs> If you'd like some news that's going to bring you up, uh well, we do a whole news show. Uh, so this week on the Have a Drink News, uh, we covered the mystery of the missing Pappy, uh, new GABF, uh, that is Great American Beer Fest, sponsorship, and how many shots of liquor does it take to kill a seagull? The answer may surprise you. <laughs> the answer may surprise you. Inquiring minds had to know. So Casey got on that. So go check out uh, our news show if you want to know that little tidbit of information that you can break out at parties. <laughs> there you go. Indeed. All right. Well, All right. Uh, n- uh, something else that's a little more uplifting. Get riggedy, riggedy, up! Short, short untapped <laughs> yeah, segment well, this week. Yeah, we've got some, some untapped badges. Uh, first off, we've got Double Trouble Returns. Are you ready for some trouble? I am. After after two long years of pleading by fans to bring it back, Founders is excited to bring back Double Trouble, an Imperial IPA oh. brewed to turn your world so, upside down. I gotta say, not at all where I thought you I thought we were going into a team rocket bit right there. I came <laughs> Are you ready close. for the trouble? Then make it make double. It double. 
I, I, I was waiting for it. I know. I was. I, it took every <laughs> ounce of control I had. Uh, but with double trouble, the hops will get you both coming and going. When you, can, when you drink it, and then when later, when you have to go poo. Uh, there's no escaping the pungent, the pungent aromatics up front paired with malt-balanced backbone and a smooth, bitter finish. Who would want to escape anyway? That, I've that never had great. double trouble, so I can't really comment. <laughs> I have one in the fridge that I hope to get to soon. Hmm. I don't remember well, having it either. You can celebrate the uh, celebrate the return, and you will be rewarded. Just trying to get into too much trouble. Check into one double trouble from Founders Brewing Company during the month of July, and unlock double trouble returns. Hmm. You got a whole month. That's nice. Yeah. All right, and uh, that is it for Untapped badges. They had a slow week this week, but if you like to add us on Untapped, I am Walker X Four Two. I am Wanyam. <laughs> I am at Casey Price, spelled just like my name. And then I'm at uh, Spiced and Hoppy. Uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, let's move it. So before we move in, uh, I think it's great that last week, like, we started your uh, your degree program off with a little biochem. Yeah. Yep. And this week <laughs> we're going to transition into some history and economics. <laughs> so, I mean, a very well, well-rounded education. More than I, more economics than I was expecting when we when we pitched the idea. Been on that truck, cheeky bastards! Been on that truck, been on that truck, been on that truck. You can thank uh, Lexington's uh, non-existent uh, share lines for that, because otherwise <laughs> I would just be comatose over here. I was ready to party this morning. He and was. It's a very good thing Lexington was not ready to party. <laughs> Look, I can only do so much. Uh, so, let's move on to our topic, uh, which most Americans are familiar with, broadly speaking. Uh, and, you know, it's the Boston Tea Party. Uh, it has become the cornerstone of American mythology surrounding the creation of this country. Uh, and it's easy, that's easy to understand. England, te- it's pretty simple england tax the colony england bad usa good Do right <laughs> england taxed the colonies who didn't want to pay so they threw tea in the ocean and declared a new country probably chanting usa usa usa, USA. USA. the chant always goes three just so everyone knows three. that's how it goes no more Never no four. less it's it's three five is, three is the number of the, <laughs> three is the number of the counting and the number of the ca- chanting shall be three um uh, <laughs> But that's uh, yeah. So that's it. That's all there is to it. Then I guess we're done. All right. Uh, bit of a show, short everybody. episode, guys. But uh, why Let's drag this out? Yeah. Uh, what's everybody drinking? Oh well. Um, let's go ahead and see here. Okay. Oh. Okay. So there is a little bit more to the topic, uh, and there are some things you can learn from from the whole whole ordeal, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with beverages, but. Uh, we can shoehorn it into our little educational wheelhouse. <laughs> so let's start with why the why the whole thing happened at all. Well, the Tea Party itself happened in 1773, but the causes reach back quite a ways further. I can make a case that we can go back to 1492, <laughs> but I'm going to settle for 1607, the founding of Jamestown, Virginia. Uh now I can hear you rolling your eyes in the back of your head, the speakers and earphones. 
But, you know, stick with me. We're going to get the history that you were expecting soon. Uh, This is the beginning of colonization for England in the Americas. Jamestown is founded. The backing of the London Company. Uh, We're looking a way to make money in this newly discovered, if you're European, uh, land. Now, they didn't do a great job of it because they went bankrupt and the crown took over in uh, 1624. But this mixing of business and British politics is just the first little taste you're going to get in our in our little tale today. Uh, the uh, one of the reasons for this push in colonialism is uh, in England is due to the idea of mercantilism. Now, if you're wondering what that is, uh, well, I've got a quote here: uh, "All mercantilism uh, is the view that uh, that maximizing net exports is the best route to national prosperity." Boiled down to its essence, mercantilism is bullionism, the idea that the only true measure of a country's wealth and success is the amount of gold that it has. Uh, They were looking for ways to help increase their financial bottom line for England and have some people who are dependent on you for trade that you can force regulations on can be a good way to do that. Hmm. So let's jump ahead uh, to probably the inciting incident that kicked off the, the Tea Party. Any guesses without looking at the dock? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> taxes? Seven Years War. Oh, okay. So Seven yes, Years taxes. War. <laughs> uh, this is the conflict that probably deserves much, much more time than we're going to give it, uh, considering that it's a war that spans five continents. Uh, but it's not really relevant to our topic, uh, so we're going to just kind of mention uh, mention it. Typically, we don't call it the Seven Years' War. We were talking about American history. Uh, we call it the French-Indian War uh, because that's who the British, including the col- uh, colonial Americans, were fighting, the French and the Indians. Those two weren't fighting each other. I say, it was one of those uh, fun uh, proxy war deals. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, there was a whole... Uh, we had a, This war was... The Seven Years' War is so big that one theater has its own name. Uh, there's actually some people who refer to it as World War Zero because it is literally just this big conflict between England and France and various allies. Mm. Uh, so, some fighting happened, and after the war, there tends to be an issue. There's an issue that happens usually at the end of wars. The, the government got the bill. Uh, it seemed that fighting on so many fronts with all of your colonies and allies isn't uh, wasn't as cheap for the British government as they'd hoped, and so the king and parliament decided it was time for their subjects to pay up. Hmm. Ah, which leads us to taxes and smuggling. <laughs> which is most of American history, I think. I don't know. <laughs> That's my view of it. I don't know. Uh, that and bootlegging. Just tag bootlegging on there, and then you've got American history. Just well-rounded. Uh, So, it's high time we started talking about tea, which was a fairly prominent drink in the Americas then. In the British Empire, there was only one real name in tea, uh, the East India Company. Who'd have guessed it? Hmm. (laughs) Before they got into the opium business, that is. But after they had (laughs) begun to basically take over India, the East India Company was given a monopoly over the tea trade through the empire. England was pra- uh, placing a tax on their tea imports around 25%. Little nuts. Mm. Uh, which did lead them to increase their prices. 
Uh, this would lead to their usual customers to look for other options, like Dutch smugglers who weren't paying any tax on their tea products. People in England and in their colonies alike began to buy cheaper, if somewhat less legal options, which further cut in the East India Company's bottom line. And if you're uh, all that familiar with the East India Company, you'll know they uh, they don't take kindly on that. They're monsters. Uh, yeah, that's. I wish we had an excuse to do a whole episode on them, because it would be cutthroat and dirty. <laughs> it's it dramatic is what it would be. Yeah. Uh, so then in 1767, Parliament lowered the taxes uh, they charged the East India Company, but still needed to make up for lost revenue. So they began what came to be known as the Townshend Acts, uh, which led to the taxes on a number of luxuries, including tea. Uh, this was coming on the heels of the Sugar Act and the Stamp Act, both of which have come up in our history episodes <laughs> previous to this. Mm -hmm. uh, which were attempts to tax the colonies that proved to be wildly, guess what, unpopular. Uh, mm. While the people in the colonies thought of themselves as British subjects, they felt as though they had no say in the matter of their taxation. Parliament was acting without a voice from the colonies who could speak on their behalf, claiming they were working for the good of all British subjects. And Apparently this is called uh, virtual representation, and I went... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think BS might be a better. Yeah, uh, and that they uh, and that they were all the representation that they needed. Uh, many soon-to-be Americans didn't think that Daddy Parliament knew best, however, and various boycotts and demonstrations got the taxes repealed until the start of the Townshend Acts. So, the Townshend Acts are named after Charles Townshend. I am not just speaking strangely. Uh, the Chancellor yeah. of the... Exchequer. Exchequer, who proposed the program. Uh, there were five different acts in this collection of taxes. The Revenue Act of 1767, the Indemnity Act of... Indemnity. Indemnity. Oh, I'm adding extra... Extra syllables. It's right in letters. That's fine. Uh, the New York R Restraining Act... All yep. right. Uh, the commissioners, uh, I, they're all of 1767. I'm just yeah, leaving just, that out now. Well, uh, one, one the, the last one is, yeah. Oh. Well, the Commissioners of Customs Act and the Vice Admiratory Court Act Ad of 1768. Okay. Came, came a year later. Uh, we aren't a real history podcast, guys. Uh, despite Bob's protests, <laughs> he tries. He tries real hard. Mm. So we aren't going to go into all of these. Basically, the Townshend Acts placed an indirect tax on glass, lead, paints, paper, and tea. These goods were not produced within the colonies and had to be imported from Britain. This, again, did not go over well with the colonial subjects. Uh, they were proposed to be a way to pay for the armies they posted in the colonies, which were also... Uh, being, they were, being they're being quartered. quartered in people's houses. So you can imagine that uh, they weren't really fond of this, hmm. uh, which is also a sore spot for the citizens. Yeah. Instead, the taxes were used as the way to pay the colonial governors and some judges, which is a good way to ensure enforcement of your laws. The colonies raised many concerns, as one could imagine, still chief of which was their lack of representation in Parliament. They eventually repealed most of the acts, but kept the tea tax on the books. Well, sure. Yeah, they 
the, these were, were like the next step in harshness, I guess, as far as tax taxation goes. Uh, and there wasn't a lot boycotting wise that, like they they tried and they were able to get like some of it repealed, but they're like, no, no, we're gonna keep tea. You guys are just you're gonna pay it. Tempers tempers are starting to flare a little. You could imagine at this point, you have soldiers who can take up residence in your home without your say. Uh, you have to feed them. Mm-hmm. And now you're being taxed so that the, that the crown can feed them and clothe them? Yeah. And you're scratching your head going, the, the, what WTF here? The, well, and it's also, you've got that, that, you know, that very colonial patronizing mentality of, don't worry, no, we know what's best for you. Yeah. Just, just, just let us do our work and you just give us your money. That's all we're asking for here. <laughs> I always trust the government to know what's best for me. <laughs> the crown always knows. That actually hurts to hear. <laughs> like, I know that's just a joke, but I'm just like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're now at some key moments that are have uh, led up to this event, let's say. Uh, so throughout the whole period of taxation, the colonies were becoming more and more resistant to the British taxes. People began to boycott tea, as it was the most consistent tax that was imposed, and along with a famine in uh, Bengal, which began to hurt the East India Company's bottom line. The British government tried the Tea Act of 1773 to refund the tax burden on the company and allow them to sell directly to the colonies and kept the tax for the colonial citizens. This continued to provoke the people, and more and more demonstrations happened. (laughs) Even with the tax, the cost of legal tea was finally lower than the illegally smuggled Dutch tea, but pricing was no longer the issue. The uh, taxation being forced on them without adequate representation was. Oh, there's a catchier way to say that. Yeah, there's no, I mean, it's the, the chant, you know. The <laughs> yeah, no taxation without representation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you get it, yeah. So uh, I can't help but feel like this is uh, leading up to that stereotype of the uh, British resentment of the Dutch. <laughs> oh. Like, there is just that stereotype thing. They even uh, it bubbled to the surface even in Austin Powers. Is that <laughs> where he's like, Deaky Dutch. Yeah, he's like the freaky Deaky Dutch, and it comes in later and he's like, I hate the Dutch. <laughs> I never thought about that. So it could be from these kind of, you know, the the tea smuggling. Hmm. Well, you know, they're they're a trade competitor. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, well, so many colonies resisted, and many were punished. <laughs> New York had their post or their ports shut down for refusing the tea, and the act of quartering soldiers. But Boston probably had the most well-known incidents. In 1770, the Boston Massacre happened, where five died and six were wounded. Not uh, not to make light of the loss of any life, but five doesn't quite sound worthy of the title Massacre. I was just thinking that, actually. It's, yeah, um, it's just, it's a real lowball number well, when you start how looking, many... at, like, kill, looking at killing fields later on in, in yeah. world history. Well, how many were killed in uh, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Again, uh, Massacre painted Definitely like, more than it was five. Like teens. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's like 13, 13, 14. Yeah, I was thinking 13 to 15 killed Mas- St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Massacre is a good press word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it was. It grabbed the headlines and we're like, oh. So, all right. Now we're at the party time. So, woo! <laughs> time to party. Let's party. Why didn't we have that no. queued up? <laughs> Look. 
Because Every we're sound. just thinking of it now. Yeah. Or we're going to stop. We're going to take a second here so it comes in and post. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The public outcry didn't seem to not stop the British. <laughs> I hope not. Like, I want it just to be a second of dead air and like, <laughs> nope, nothing. I'll, you know what? I'll make that. I'll figure that out later. Uh, uh, so the public outcry didn't seem to stop the British, who had lessened the tax but refused to drop it for fear of precedent it would set in their empire. Ships continued to send tea to ports throughout the colonies, and typically the protesters were able to force them to turn around without delivering their product. Everywhere, that is, but Boston. In November of 1773, the Dartmouth came to port, loaded down the tea, and Boston Governor Hutchinson... Uh, convinced the tea, the tea co-signers to not back down to the protesters and unload the tea. Samuel Adams, always a good decision, who had been a vocal opponent to tea taxes, tried to call a meeting to convince the governor to allow the ship to turn around and leave without paying its duties, as other colonies had done. British law required Dartmouth to unload and pay the duties within twenty days, or customs officials could confiscate the cargo or, you know, unload it onto American soil. (laughs) Uh, The governor refused, and two more ships, also loaded with tea, docked alongside the Dartmouth. Adams tried again on December 16th to hold a meeting to convince the governor to listen to the people's demands. Allegedly, part of his speech in this meeting was supposed to signal others to begin to head to the the ships and take drastic measures. But no solid evidence backs this up. The only evidence about that is like his his grandson writing the history of his grandfather, mm. like writing his biography, put that in there. And you're like, yeah, I don't think you understood what he was saying. Yeah. But then again, maybe it was all planned. Who knows? I wasn't alive then. <laughs> all right. Moving on to the next portion of the segment here. That night, I feel like I want to do this in a Boston accent. By the way, <laughs> you can do it in the dark. Just do it in the that night. That night. A large group. No, well, that turns into the Batman Kennedy. voice. That night, a large group of men. That night, a large group of men. Many reportedly members of the Sons of Liberty. I don't know. Could be. Maybe not. Disguised themselves in Native American garb, boarded the docked ships, and through. 342 chests of tea into the water. Do we know how much is a tea is in a chest? Uh, no, but I do have a rough idea of the price, at least in 2014 money. <laughs> like all this tea. Oh, is well, it 1.12 million, I think, or 1.20 million? That's a 1.2 million, yeah. See, they had to be quite tired after doing this as well. <laughs> I mean, if it was 130, maybe not as tired, but 30 guys doing that, like. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus. We should have more cardio before we came out here. Yeah, yeah they would be kind of exhausted. Because you've written the number anywhere between 30 and 130. First off, that's not a small amount of men no. to be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Also, that's a wide disparity. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I'll give him a little bit of leeway for 200 years. Um. Uh, so, said per, uh, the said the per participant james hawks we then we then were ordered by our commander to open the hatches and take out all the test chests of tea and throw them overboard and we immediately proceeded to execute his orders first cutting and splitting the chest with our tomahawks of course if you're dressed like a native american garb why not bring tomahawks like yeah that's the part that i'm like 
why dress as as mohawks? Why? Yeah. And I have to imagine it was done in like the worst way possible. Oh, yeah. Like oh. just a bunch of guys like put blankets over them and yeah. <laughs> couple feathers. Uh, and they call it good. Cut small fox that. <laughs> oh, oh, so they split these chests in order to uh, thoroughly expose them to the effects of the water. I guess mm-hmm. make sure that you couldn't, uh, you couldn't steep, salvage anything. You gotta steep that in ocean water. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, tasty, tasty saltwater tea. Maybe we've discovered a new beverage. Gosa tea. <laughs> Sam mm. Adams immediately went to work explaining that this was not the work of a crazed mob, but of principled citizens fed up with unjust taxation. Ooh, good PR. Or, say, or was he seizing a moment to uh, further yeah. his own political career? <laughs> I mean, probably. If he wasn't involved in the actual planning, I could totally see him going, yep, no, these were brave men. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Reactions through the rest of the colonies were mixed. John Adams was thrilled, but George Washington was appalled, such a fine, upstanding young man, uh, by the destruction of property. Benjamin Franklin even suggested that the East India Company be reimbursed. Of course he did. How (laughs) deep was Franklin in East India Company's Mm. pockets? Yeah, He he probably owned stock. he He was in England at this time, I think. Oh, or he was like just about to come back from England. England so. or France with who knows how many prostitutes. No, France France was later. Mm. England, France was after war really war were declared. <laughs> England's parliament was not pleased to say the least. In retribution, they passed the Coercive Acts, later known as the Intolerable Acts, I'm sure by the Americans, <laughs> which closed Boston Harbor until the tea lost in the Boston Tea Party was paid for. Okay, in- so if you're a port city, that makes that really difficult. No kidding, yeah. right? That's, that's life, your entire industry. Life yeah. gets real hard. It's all the city was, like, really going on. Uh, sorry. Ended the Massachusetts Constitution and ended free elections of town officials. Moved judicial authority to Britain and British judges, basically creating martial law in Massachusetts. Required colonists to quarter British troops on demand and using their private homes if needed. Just don't like. I understand. Like, oh, you know, it's cheaper not building uh, building barracks for them. We'll just put them in someone's house. Sure, why not? Yeah. But, and, uh, extended freedom of worship to French Canadian Catholics. Oh no, under British rule, which angered mostly Protestant <laughs> colonists. Well, yeah. I, to this day, I still can never understand the the Protestant Catholic like those. You know, <laughs> them just getting so mad. I'm like, guys, calm down. Yeah, I got nothing there. But at the time, Britain hoped the coercive acts would squelch rebellion in New England and keep the remaining colonies from uniting. But the opposite happened. Imagine that. All colonies viewed the punitive laws as further evidence of Britain's tyranny and rallied to Massachusetts' aid, sending supplies and plotting further resistance. Well, yeah. Results. This was another of the events that made the upcoming revolution all but inevitable. The First Continental Congress would be called a couple of years later, and they would attempt to list their grievances to the British government who would, by and large, ignore their complaints. Imagine that. Soon afterwards, armed conflict broke out, and the time for talk had ended. Revolution was in the air. After eight years of war, the colonies finally broke away from Great Britain. Tea, however, greatly decreased in popularity in the new country. Years of boycotting and the perception of it being uh, the drink of their former colonial rule made it seem unpatriotic to drink. 
Coffee became the hot beverage of choice in these states united and never quite reached its golden days of sales in the U.S. Hmm. The event itself was seen as a symbol of revolution eventually. For a number of years, many people found the destruction of property an embarrassing part of the American story. <laughs> dressing, up, <laughs> dressing up as Native Americans probably didn't make it seem any more serious. Eventually, though, it became one of the tales that would help build the foundation of the story of the nation. It continued to inspire people to the modern day, where it felt similar frustration uh, who, where people felt similar frustration and began a grassroots political movement called the Tea Party, mm, which is too recent for us to look at objectively on the show. No, I, I can't be objective. Nope. Yep. <laughs> I don't we think probably wrap good. it up there. Yep. <laughs> people Started are political. Writing it, I was like, you know what? No, that's just going to make me angry. I, I'm going to keep falling back whenever something like that comes up. Uh, people are political. Beer and alcohol is not. Hmm. It's what brings us all together, unites us. <laughs> we may not agree on a lot of things. We can agree on something nice to drink. Uh, what is, though, uh, something we can all agree on here? Well, actually, no, we don't even... I'm the Emperor, and this is my new HPA, brewed with a perfect blend of hemp and hops. Man, this stuff is dank! Behold the dankness. Dank? Oh my god, yeah. You oh. just, just pop it. Oh man. This is some skunk. So while they're opening right, those, this is a little tasting that we're going to do. Uh, for the smelling. Oh. Hmm. This is uh, the Hemperor I HPA. I want to say IPA, but you know. Oh, we needed more queued up. We need to go into like some Snoop Dogg right there, <laughs> Dr. Dre. Because oh man, Whew. someone just lit up a skunky one. It does smell oh, exactly like that. Oh, it's not man. This is oh. So I I had one of these last week and did a short video for Ritual Misery. You guys should go check them out. Uh, Ritual Misery podcast on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, some of our good buddies and this is oh man the hpa from new belgium oh Woo. just pouring a little bit of this i've had it before i forgot it was from new belgium actually <laughs> so they had to for two years they had to research uh all the hemp laws to make sure they could even legally brew this bad boy huh. uh so sorry uh my bad i did not have the vitals pulled up I will say this before we start getting too deep into this. This smells like this. This is weed. Yeah, this smells how like I weed. Imagine we would smell. Yeah. So as right. soon as you pop one of these, uh, I've worked a lot. I've had to work at a lot of concerts, Casey. This smells like <laughs> weed. <laughs> Willie Nelson. I've I've worked a Jay Z concert. That this is exactly what that concert smelled like. Like <laughs> you pop stuff. it, it is so the the fragrance changes very quickly. As soon as you pop that cap off the bottle, you're just like blown away. Like, oh, that's some, di like, just like the video had. Just like, that is dank. There's still some residual dankness. Uh, residual dankness is up. still there as, yeah, as it starts to breathe a little. But it is like the hops really, like, after that dank bit blows over, it, like, I'm getting extreme hops on this. So I don't know if that initial dank burst is like a fragrance pumped in there 
Or do you think it's I, legitimately coming off of this beer? I, I I have to imagine that right before they cap it, they're just like, all right, now let's just... Uh... <laughs> or, or are there a bunch of stoners on the bottling line? That's like, exactly that's what, what I'm, I'm thinking. Picturing. They're just <laughs> puffing into... All right. Is all the hamper bottled in uh, Fort Collins? <laughs> so they're just all someone's like, oh, yep. That's honestly what it smells like. But huff, huff. Just all right. So directly into the glass, directly from New Belgium. Uh, get ready for an exciting new offering that'll change the way you think about hoppy beers uh, coming your way. The brewers at New Belgium have created a new style of IPA, the Hemper HPA. The H is for hemp. Uh, with the popularity of hoppy beers, our brewers are always on the lookout for different hop varietals and uh, the complexities and flavors new strains can bring. That's where hemp comes into the picture. Without getting too nerdy, we found a unique way to recreate hemp uh, terpene flavors. Is that how we yep. say it? Okay, in beer, which complement the inclusion of hop flavors and hemp hearts, seeds, they were saying, uh, in brand new, delicious way. Not to mention, this beer is extremely dank, as you oh. heard uh, the Hemper proclaim himself. Uh, it is indeed dank. So we found a way to recreate the flavors. Makes it sound like they did inject some sort of aroma. So we'll get to that very quickly here. So uh, visually, uh, they are saying this should be very light golden. Uh, yep. Hold it up. Uh, indeed it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Could be lighter. <laughs> From it's what no Budweiser. Aroma. Yeah. Uh, herbal cannabis in a big yeah. way. And then they, they make herbal sure to cannabis. say it does not contain THC. Because that is the big the big point here. So yeah. Important note. <laughs> I mean, you still dig your nose in there, and I still get that. Yep. That is still a dank concert happening on top of this baby. Uh, so flavor have we haven't we haven't dove into this bad boy yet. I mean we've all had it before. Uh, spoiler, we ha we've all been spoiled. But uh, it's always good to go back and revisit beers, whether you like them or not. Because as your palate, <laughs> I mean, it's it's debatable when you don't like them. As your palate broadens, things will change. So mm. let's go ahead, uh, everybody. Oh, I've been drinking this already. <laughs> That's fine too. So it one thing I can say, and, and mine took a flight, so I don't know. It's it's had a lot of ups and downs in temperature, um, so I don't know how well it's been treated. It's probably the worst you you could treat a beer, but um, on the nose, I'm getting a little bit of like some seltzer water sting. No, that's um, there. A minerally seltzer seltzer water sting. Sorry. Mine's not been through what yours went through and it that comes off okay all right i just i'm always blown away by how little this tastes like it smells yes absolutely completely so it's just kind of there it's so not even like flavor profile they're saying sweet throughout with a mild bitter finish i will mm -hmm. give it that so uh, well, the first time i had this i thought it had a real kind of crisp sweet honey finish it really felt like a, a hop slam to me on the end. Uh, definitely not as hoppy throughout. It is rather weak throughout, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of rounded, um, not super hoppy. Uh, the herbal, more herbal hops 
no real big citrusy or piney resinousy type no. hops. No dank hop flavor. No, no, that's uh, I feel on purpose. Maybe because if you did so, uh, founders uh, their their stint into beers like this would have been like ridiculous, mm. and it was mm-hmm. huge, dank, flavorful hops, and people did not care for it. <laughs> uh, that sat for a couple of years. The last time they did ridiculous to the point that they decided they weren't brewing it this year. <laughs> they decided to give it a hard pass. Mm. Uh, Mouthfeel and body uh, coating initially slightly sweet with a dry finish, medium body. That exactly as described, I feel. Um, side note: Watching the Hemper HPA story, this product is not approved for sale or consumption in Kansas. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's right. So, in uh, uh, even though there's no CH, uh, THC or CBD oils, you know. Oh yeah, it is. Some states have that law, like, regardless. It's hemp like, hearts. No. Like, they flat out, they used hemp hearts yep. or hemp seeds in yeah. the brewing of this. And that's they researched, again, for a couple of years to figure out, you know, how how dank they could make a beer legally. And they are, it's not included on the website here, but uh, previous research when I did the, the read for uh, Ritual Misery, they are working with the foundation uh, from Willie Nelson. A dollar of every Hemperer uh, bought goes to this foundation, which goes to uh, basically furthering the cause of legalizing hemp. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. So uh, you want to know the, the actual stats on this. 7% ABV, IBUs only 55 uh, when you taste it, okay. you you can tell it's only fifty five. When you smell it, you're expecting like this is gonna be like a hundred and twenty minute IPA. You're like, holy crap, this is gonna blow it out of the water. And then you taste it, you're like, no. So yeast, it's an ale yeast. Sure. <laughs> calories, uh, that was it's two hundred calories a bottle. Oh wow, that's yeah, normal for craft beer. Yeah, that's yeah. nobody's counting calories while they're drinking craft beer. Your hops, nope. though. Uh, so we've got some we got some proprietary hops in here and some uh, some up and comers. You got your nugget. You got your Cascade, HBC five twenty two, and Simcoe. <laughs> You'd think it would be more. Was it piney with this? Is it the Simcoe that's like piney? Simcoe and Cascade come out. Don't think about resinous and piney. Yeah, but yeah, I don't so, know. Like it's it's just. And Nugget gives it that. That's where I'm thinking the honey flavor I'm getting is coming from is off the Nuggets. Hmm. But HBC 522, I'm not familiar. In case he's looking it up. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying right now. Stalling Um, for time so Casey could. (laughs) We can go into the malts. So, yeah, uh, our malts, uh, you got your pale, uh, white wheat, and midnight wheat. So it's nothing on the malt bill that's really outstanding Hmm. there. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, in 2016, there were less than two acres planted of it. Wow. Really? Oh. And I'm yeah, guessing that so they were super all early. by New Belgium. Um, uh, an alternative to the classic American hop, Centennial. Okay. Mm. Oh. Okay, because Centennial brings a lot of the dank, too. So, okay, I get that. Centennial's a really bitter hop, isn't it? I feel. Um. See, yeah, so it, it should bring some citrus northeast type flavors and aromas, depending on when it comes into the, the actual production here. 
I could I could see a lot of that flavor in there then. Yeah. So this beer, I okay. This is my second time coming into this one, and I do have to say I rather enjoy it. It is kind of it's a full experience. It can bring in all of your senses. If you want to really be able to break out what you're smelling versus what you're tasting, this is a great beer. I feel to do that. Hmm. Uh, this is I, I've had this once before. It I do not care for the smell. Like every time, it's just nope, it's way too strong. I don't. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah, if you're but, one of those people that are that's like, oh, into craft beer, and you're like, I don't care much for IPAs. Probably don't drink this. Don't buy it. Don't. But it's, you don't I'm care too much for weed. Don't drink this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said its flavors are very are, are like so different from what it drinks. I'm always confused by it. Yeah. Uh, but okay. it's. It, it's always better than I think it is flavor wise, but it's 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 nothing like spectacular for me. If so you're in the even large... though that earlier article said some sometimes like centennial, centennial uh, these aren't flavors that are normal in, normally in centennial. Man, are we sure this doesn't have weed in it? Um, <laughs> maybe that's one... what HBC finds you to it. <laughs> Look, yeah, I... maybe that's the case. We'll get to um, how saying... I'm screwing up here in a minute when we get to what we're drinking because I. Oof. They're saying here that it is supposed to it has supposed to have uh, notes of cherry and peach accompanied with a candy like sweetness in the aroma. Hmm. <laughs> I don't Sorry, I don't get that full thing in there. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Very vegetal, I think, on the flavor too. Mm, yeah. Okay. I could I could see that. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I still it is a very I want to say it is a smooth flavor on it. And yeah. if, so there is a large cross section of people who enjoy craft beer and also partake. And this beer is geared towards them. Hmm. This is a big marketing stunt beer. Again, it did get New Belgium's name out there everywhere, but they are also putting their money where their mouth is in with the whole they're don't like they're putting a dollar of every hamper sold towards causes to further legalize yeah. hemp. Sure. So is it like this beer would be super popular at like Coachella? Probably. <laughs> but I did hear you couldn't, you couldn't smell this beer at Coachella. Yeah. It, it would just it would blend be overshadowed. In. True. Yeah. So um while shopping recently, uh, I did manage to overhear at uh, a couple of stores them proclaiming how not well this beer is selling. Huh. Because a lot of these aromas and things that they're gunning for in this beer are also trademarks of skunked beer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) They are things you typically do not look for in beer. They are signs of a beer that has gone bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are, a lot of traditionalists are very turned off by this beer. If you are huge into lagers, this beer is the opposite of what you want. Don't do this. This beer (laughs) is the, yeah, it is the poster child for what a lager is not. But if you like Heineken, <laughs> if you, <laughs> ah, yeah. this is the best Heineken I've ever had. <laughs> also, uh, I just had to point out St. Pat in the chat room, uh, listening to the next episode in the background. It took me a second. I was like, oh, Snoop Dogg. Okay. Snoop Dogg. All right. Well, consensus. I I like it. I got. I'm not jumping out, going and buying a six pack. But it's, uh, you know, 
you look at a tab list and it's Bud Miller Coors or Hemperer, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take a Hemperer. If you were to put it like that, I think I would I would agree with you on that one. If it's Bud Miller Coors or Hemperer, I would definitely take the Hemperer and be happy with it. I like the smell better than I like the beer. Yes. I will I, say the, I think the aromas. The, the aromas, all that, and a bag of chips. It's very much a novelty. Hmm. Um, if this is, if you live in in an area and and you know you're 21 years old and don't know what weed smells like and you feel like you're you're kind of left out of some of the jokes, um, smell this as soon as you open it, and that is exactly what weed will smell like. Hmm. Um, so in that regard, it's sort of the. I don't want to say it, it brings back good memories because that makes me sound like I'm a stoner or something, but it's sort of that that memory connection of this is when you go to a concert and you've got people token up uh, all over the place. Yeah, that sort of oh, this is cool. This is that cool environment, that cool feel. Uh, yeah. If the choice cool. is if the choice is Bud Miller Coors and this, I'm gonna go with Bud Miller Coors. Oh. Really? So you it's, are it's just, not the beer is just kind of thin and just kind of there. Like it's it's not spectacular, um, but the the smell I just do not care for. Yeah, mm. that's um, fair though. Like if you can't get past the smell, yeah, how are you going to drink it? Understandable. Um, so I mean, the, you can always go for a nice Coors Light. You know, <laughs> and like admittedly, I'll do it begrudgingly. But I'm like, no, yeah. I'm not. The I'm aroma not is core on this one. So if you aren't down with the aroma, you are not down with this beer. Yeah. And I can completely see that. I do I do hate the fact that this beer does not it, it's got that great on on opening the bottle, that great aroma. It does not follow up with a stout bitterness, which I think this should have. This has more sweetness than bitterness to me. I think um, that was for a greater appeal. Because yeah. if you were really going for the core audience on this one, if you really wanted, you know, to wow the people who would be into this, yeah, you would have made this baby like a hundred and twenty minute IPA and like that bitter. Mm. And it's thick. Yeah, for me, it's like a, a thick mouthfeel mm. at seven percent ABV with that thick of a mouthfeel. It's it's a little long. You know, this would be great as an eight ounce pour. That's kind of where I would I would like to have it. Now I, I I just get like I get what you mean by like the, by the mouthful, but it just doesn't have a whole lot of flavor going on there when you actually do it. So it's what what mm-hmm. part of what also is just not doing it for me. Does um, hemp seeds do they kind of contribute a thickness like a gelatinousness? Maybe mm-hmm. that might be where it's I don't know. Like because there's what is it chia seeds? Is it chia seeds? Yeah. That, have like this this gelatinous flavor to them. Oh I yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the chia seeds have this. Yeah, you put them into uh, water and it turns into a gel, basically. Yeah. Um, I wonder if hemp seeds, hemp seeds gel like chia? Question mark. <laughs> Where else on Twitch are you going to find these questions? Mm. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Right. But that's that's one of the things that that it's kind of turning me off on this. But I mean, it's 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 a good beer. It's well made. It's just out of balance. Mm. It is new. It's interesting, and it is like it's going to sell. Well, it did sell quite a few based on that. 
and New Belgium. I think you know you see the name and you're like, sure, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of made. Color scheme is off to make you think that it's New Belgium, though. So it, yeah, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting it. Like when I see the label, even I'm just like, who makes this again? So yeah, a brewery in Colorado. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. All right. So, all right, guys. Yep. So, what's everybody drinking? Drink with me, friend. All right. Uh, so, didn't have anything I could drink to style. Uh, and well, outside of Emperor, the only thing in my fridge uh, is what we bought today. <laughs> oh, nice. So, uh, I had the Tropical Gosa from Ethereal Brewing. Mm. I know oh. it's a bit local, so not everybody can get it. But I figured we should talk a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, it's a Tropical Gosa. It's uh, 4.5% ABV. Uh, I don't see it around the can about the IBUs, and I don't have Untapped in front of me right now to look that it's up. It's probably there. not a lot. If not not a lot. Uh, not for a Gosa. But uh, it's 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 pretty good. It's got that that Gosa, you know, salty, soury kind of thing going on with it. So, uh, oh yeah, washing that that hamper out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I really like it. It's 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 kind of beer you kind of want for a nice nice hot day. It's one of their more popular ones they sell they sell, which I find strange that a Gosa is mm. so well selling for for them. But you know, uh, it's no, it's pretty good. Um, What's the tropical it, flavors like? What are you what are you getting from that? Uh, I'm, that's the thing. Like maybe maybe a hint of like pineapple or or okay. so that's which generally I don't like pineapple, but. You're balancing it out with some other flavors, so right. The whole it's got a bit of that, like group. that that citrusy, well, maybe not citrus, but that that you know a little more acidic, fruity kind of right kind of flavors in there. Uh, I oh, am St. Pat find says yes, a- it is pineapple. <laughs> okay, apparently they make a version of it with passion fruit. Oh, oh. yeah, uh, mm. but they do not list the IBUs on there, so oh, okay. I am not not surprised. Can the passion fruit one next time? Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, but no, it's 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 pretty good. That's burying the lead on that release. Well, that's a special one. This is their 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 base. All right, all right. I am having uh, a fruitful fort from Dogfish Head. Uh, it is a fruit beer coming in at eighteen percent, which I didn't realize oh. when I poured it. Because oh, about halfway through the episode, I was like. Man, I'm feeling really like buzzed hard, and oh. I have not had that much to drink. And then I looked oh. down and went, "Oh, that explains it." It's like <laughs> how I was when I drank the worldwide stout, eighteen percent. So yeah, that's if you see a dogfish head beer in a bottle that has that little green cap with an exclamation point on it, <laughs> it's an eighteen percent at least. Just go ahead and take that at face value. It will be an eighteen percenter. Jeez, like they're they're not gonna back it off on there. So yeah, this beer not not really joking around. IBUs, uh, they're not there because this is a fruit beer. They are focused on fruit, and I'll get to that in a second. So the beer advocate score for on this one is low. I think it's a little low for what this one is. Really, three point eight eight is what's coming through, hmm. and I don't think that's justified. I'm really digging this one, liking it. There's- there's there's some fruit hate out there. There is. Yeah. So a twist in our beloved fort, fruitful fort, is brewed with four types of berries. 
raspberries, blackberries, boysenberries, and elderberries. And if you're familiar with a lot of those, they are similar, but not. <laughs> so when you start blending all those flavors together is where you get some odd things in this one. Uh, this blend of dark berries creates a depth and complexity reminiscent of a jammy red wine, which is right where I would put it. That sounds fine. Red, red wine. <laughs> we punched up the malt bill with Munich malt in this new version of uh, Fort to provide a firm backbone and help balance the tart flavor of the brewers of the brews berry blend. Woo. Uh, try drinking one and saying that. Clocking in at 15 to 18% ABV, Fruitful Fort is dark maroon red in color, check, uh, with aromas of velvety cherry and berry sweetness, check, and flavors of raspberry and blackberry, uh, check, check. I gotta say, I'm really liking this one, uh, but at 10 bucks for a single, it, uh, it's, it's coming in yeah. at, like, it's coming in at worldwide stout prices. Yeah, yeah. That's so nuts. it's it's really expensive, but also it, they're calling it a fort. Is that fruit port? Is that what that's for? It's a. I'm guessing we're going for a double entendre there. So fort being there is a literal treehouse fort on the oh, Dogfish okay. Head campus. Gotcha. So it's a little treehouse fort. So it's their fort, and this is the fruitful instead of port fort. Okay. Get that's where they're going. Huh. I'm liking it. I'm a fan. But again, it's like 10 bucks for a single. If you find a four-pack, again, you're going to be paying 40 bucks plus for it. When I tried to buy it, they didn't even have it in the system correctly, and it rang up as a keg rental. <laughs> Jeez. That one may be cheaper than the beer itself. <laughs> no, it, it rang up for my uh, very small purchase of beers. They're like, it's going to be 60-something. And I was like, there's no way that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy looked down at it and looked at what rang up and was like, no, you're right. That's not right. <laughs> but by the way, uh, real quick, there's a thing from St. Yeah. Pat who was at the ethereal release with us. Apparently there was a guy who had a green uh, hat that says make IPA spitter again. Ooh. <laughs> I want this That's hat. So wonderful. We need that hat for Jim. Jim uh, needs that hat. Yes. Uh, All right. Sorry. Moving you... on. Is it me? Yeah. I think <laughs> it's me. Um, I am drinking a Lorelei American IPA from Bramari Brewing in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to finish out the rest of my my stock in the fridge of all the stuff that I've, I've kind of accumulated over the past few months. But um, so I started off with a burial uh, beer. Don't know where that bottle's made it to or the cans made it to, but uh, burial gym. started it out the skillet donut. And then this one's oh, really yeah. the one that I put in here. It comes in at 6.9% ABV and 69 IBUs. <laughs> um, Lorelei. On the Rhine River, there once lived a dangerously beautiful nymph named Lorelei. Dangerously beautiful. That, that should be a, a beer name in itself. Hmm. Scorned by love and filled with bitterness, she sought to lure passing sailors to their watery doom. Like the Lorelei of legend, this American IPA is dangerously Kills seductive. sailors. <laughs> dangerously seductive with just a hint of the right amount of bitterness. Um, a graceful body singing in tropical notes of Citra, Mandarina Bavaria, and Huel Melon hops. Mm-hmm. Comes in at 3.87 on the score sites. Beer Advocate. 
that one. Right. <laughs> can so, don't remember which one we actually use all the time. Beer. How so we it? don't use rate beer because yeah. of yeah. So I always ABBA is it always confuses me, you know, because Anheuser Busch owns the rate beer site, but AB sounds like BA, which is beer advocate. So yeah. uh, you know, it takes a second if you're just seeing initials. You're like, blah, 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 who has it? Who what now? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Good beer though. Love it. It's good stuff. Hmm. Awesome. Um, I would so, suggest it. Yeah, so looking at mine again, I was like, no, it looks like I'll hold it up here. It does look like a port. It looks like a port. It's like, it does. So, yeah. Your name is R.L. Stein. You live alone. <laughs> Roll, uh, no, I've got the R.L. Stein craft Stein. beer starter package in front of me. I've got a beer <laughs> that's like a port wine, <laughs> and I've got another beer that is a poorly rolled blunt. You've got oh, a port yes. wine and a poorly made blunt. <laughs> On that note, I think that does it for this episode. <laughs> uh, we learned a lot about. Uh, I hope enjoy- everybody enjoyed the history class today, um, uh, as opposed yeah. to a biochem class uh, last hey. week. Yeah. And then next week we're having. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It'll probably end up being the sales and marketing class. There we go <laughs> for <laughs> seltzer water. That would In actually me- be. <laughs> I like this idea. In the meantime, however, you can visit us at haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us. Also look for Have a Drink Show on all your social medias and twitch.tv, of course. Don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com, or you can just use the feedback page on the website. All joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone, please drink responsibly, especially on this holiday weekend. Mm. And uh, holiday weekend? Well, Fourth of July. People people oh, celebrate that. Depending when you wanted to celebrate. <laughs> Look, there's Gosh, still fireworks going off. They're going to be nag outside. The yeah. next month, they're going to be going off. Yeah, it's Operation Rolling Thunder outside yeah. my window. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, you can check us out next Saturday for our next live episode, and remember to check out Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. That's Brittany. I'm Christopher Walker, and I'm Casey Price. We shall see you next time. Bye, guys. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>